Hey everyone, this is Siobhan with the Creative Outsiders Podcast, and we are back for season three. Yay! Where we connect the dots for women storytellers. Basically, I want to show you it's possible to live your filmmaking dreams. For creatives, by creatives, location locked. Wish you could find production staff that's professional and easy to work with. Do you lose a lot of time trying to find the perfect location? Then you'll love Location Lock, a peer-to-peer marketplace that offers filmmakers and content creators like yourself the opportunity to book locations and services needed for your next big project or event. Location Lock can also help spread the word about your next open photography session or casting call. It's a win-win. Visit LocationLock.com today and get started. And today I get to sit down and chat with Kelly. And I have been following her for a while and I can't wait to talk to her. What's going on? Nothing much. I'm so (laughs) excited to do this podcast. Like, you're on my bucket list for season three. Um, Oh, amazing. Yes. I, um, I don't even remember how I found you, but... Here we are. <laughs> I'm happy you did. I'm happy you did. So, as I was telling you before we hopped on, we are doing this or that. Um, so, the first one is strawberry ice cream or chocolate ice cream? Strawberry all the way. Yes, me too. <laughs> okay. So, the beach or a ski trip? The beach. <laughs> exactly. All day. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, this one might be a little bit harder. Directing or screenwriting? Mm, uh, directing. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then sneakers or heels? Sneakers all the way. <laughs> See, that, <laughs> that wasn't that hard. Usually the people get stuck at the directing or screenwriting part. So. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's a hard one. So what made you choose directing over screenwriting? Um, for me, it, I, it's weird because I never saw myself as a screenwriter, mm-hmm. even though I write most of the things that I direct. Mm-hmm. I'd never really put myself in that category because I didn't approach filmmaking as a writer. I approached it as a director. And then because I wasn't, I wasn't seeing the films that I wanted to direct being written, I wrote them myself. And so I, I find it so hard to call myself a writer because I never approached it as a writer. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I said directing first, but I am a screenwriter. I've, I've written all the things. Well, I would say about 80% of the things that I've directed, I've written myself. Uh, yeah, but it's just, this is one of those things, I guess, because I, I came at it as a director and then screenwriting kind of fell into my lap because I saw the void. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that's interesting, uh, just where you say you saw the void, because I don't know. Um, did you see the article where they had, was it 26 women of color screenwriters? Yeah. No, it was 62. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 62. Yeah. Yeah, I saw it. it. That's amazing. But also because I live in Canada, it's different. Yeah, I was going to ask you, so what is the difference um, as far as what's going over going on in the States versus Canada? I mean, the biggest difference is that because I'm in Toronto, a lot of the films that we make are for America. Mm. We make a lot of American films, but we don't make a lot of American black films. Mm. Those are mostly made in like New York or Atlanta, or but they're not made in Toronto. And we so we do a lot of like we've like I've done Taken. Um, 
I've done some of The Bachelorette, like different films that are supposed to be in America, we filmed in Toronto. And so we don't get, we don't have the diversity. When I'm on set in Toronto, mm-hmm. I'm more than, more than likely the only black woman there. And if there's another black woman, they're probably, it's horrible to say this, hair and makeup. Mm. It's very, I very rarely like, unless I hire someone to come on, like every time I hire someone, I try to, to make them a person of color. But apart from that, I'm always the black, the only black person or black woman on set. Wow. So do you think that, um, cause I know that you keep up with what's going on. Do you think the push that like America is having right now for people of color to be more present in behind the scenes filmmaking, whether it's, um, the cinematographer, the director, writer, do you think that's going to translate over into Canada? I think so. I think for for Canada right now, the problem is that like there's a big gap between our indie our indie scene and our union scene. And so I'm I'm able to be on both. Like I'm a union, uh, I'm on union and I'm indie. And so I get to see that gap. And so the problem is is there are not enough people of color in in the union scene. Okay. And so they're doing the indie films, but how are they getting the experience and the qualifications to be able to get to union? Right. And so, and so those are the things that there's a, it's a huge gap and it's hard to get into the union. And so it's, it's easier for them to get into hair and makeup, but it's not as easy to get into the other, the other areas of the union. And so that's what I think it is. It's just like for me as when I do my indie films, I hire mostly people of color. All of my heads of department are women of color, mm-hmm. except for my DOP. And uh, he's a man of color. And so I, try to give people the experience I know from being on union sets so that then they can go and apply for union sets saying that they have this experience. But that's for me, that's where the gap is. Okay. I think that's really good though, that you're doing that. So do you, are you vocal about that or do you feel like you'll become more vocal that this is what you're doing to kind of like give people the nudge to do the same thing? I'm, I'm super vocal about it. I, I'm going to start, uh, I've just signed up this year to, mentor people and give them the experience, the union experience. So learning how to do that specific paperwork, learning walkie etiquette, all of these different things that translate into how it is to be on a union set. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm doing those courses this in 2019. And then even when I'm hiring people, like when I'm on union sets and they're like, okay, we need to bring someone else out. It's always a person of color. And then, and, and the union sets have kind of the people that work in union sets kind of know that now. Mm-hmm. And so we'll call me and be like, okay, well, BT's coming down here to shoot a film. Who can you bring out? Because they know that I'm the person that will, that will find that person of color, take them under my wing and give them the experience they need because th- there's not enough of us in, in, this, in the union and it's, it doesn't look good. Yeah. Yeah. But that's really good. I'm glad that you're doing a class on that because I think that's just the, ma- the major point for me and what I was telling you before we hopped on. Like I went to a... Um, I was trying to think of the right way to say it, it. but I went to school for my MFA in screenwriting and I was the only Brown girl. Well, I had my one other friend, but she didn't finish the program. And, um, it just, I felt like we're so behind the curve. Cause even for me, like I 
that's why I enjoy doing the podcast and asking people their experience. And then even just trying to make sure that anytime somebody needs help that I'm able to extend it. But I just realized in that moment of me going for screenwriting, how behind the curve I was. So I think that's really great that you're extending, like being able to do the mentorship part, because what I'm finding, like when I talk to women that have started to elevate, they are saying now, like they don't have time to do it. So I feel like once we get there, it's almost like, okay, well, I want to help you, but now I don't have time. Kind yeah, of. it's it's true. But I think it's super important for me. Like, I want to I wanna be able to do union productions, and I, I don't want to have to worry about, okay, is my set going to look how I want it to look? Mm-hmm. So I want to do that work now so that when I get to the point where I'm doing, I'm directing these union productions, I don't have to worry about that. And so it... It takes the people that are in the room, like I'm in the room, to do the work to get other people in the room. Right. I can't complain about how the room looks if I'm not doing the work. And so mm-hmm. I'm in a position where I'm like, okay, I, I have the paperwork from how to get into the union, so why would I not share that with everybody else? Yeah. It's my duty as a black woman to do that for other black women. Yeah. And so, yeah, I can't complain about how a room looks if I'm not doing my job to, to maintain the room. That's a very good one-liner. I'm all for good one-liners. That's good. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. Okay, so just to shift gears a little bit, what Mm -hmm. would someone be surprised to know about your journey as a filmmaker? That I got my first yes in 2018. Wow, really? Yeah. Mm -hmm. What was your first yes in 2018? Uh, Funding. I've always self-funded my projects between me and my producer, Tamar Bird, and this was the first year that we got a yes for funding. Wow. So what do you think that was different like from this whole entire process prior to you doing self-funding? Were you asking or were you not asking prior to this? This was more, I think it was a whole bunch of different things. Mm-hmm. I put myself out more on social media. So I was more, I was more, uh, people could see me more. Mm-hmm. My last film, Haven, has done really, really well. Mm-hmm. And so they've seen what I can do without money. Uh, we did Haven. Uh, we, didn't, we didn't spend any money on Haven. We, my producer spent money on food. Everything else was free. And Haven premiered at South by Southwest. Mm-hmm. Um, it screened at Con. And it just recently, I'm actually in England right now. Uh, it just screened at the BAFTA. And we just won an award for audience choice. And we didn't have any money. And so to see that, mm-hmm. I think now people are like, okay, she's out there. She's gaining popularity. She has this film that she can do. She's shown us that she can do this without any money. Mm-hmm. Why, why, not, why not get onto the curve? One thing I realized about Canada, not the people that gave me the money, but, but Canada um, as a film industry, mm-hmm. they like to be able to claim you. And I feel like that's a lot of different places. Absolutely. <laughs> they like to be like, oh, I put Kelly on first. Right. But nobody really wants to be the first person to do it. They want to yeah. see someone else do it to see it work out and then be like, oh, yeah, yeah, I was going to do that the whole time. Yeah. And so I feel like nobody wanted to be the first. And so now we've got our first. Hopefully the money comes in. But yeah, this is my first year that I got a yes. And I didn't really know how to take it. I didn't understand it. Mm. My, my partners had to be like listen you know that they just said yes <laughs> so the money that you asked for it. 
So when you say that you had no money, because this is the thing that I think it's hard for people who are on social media, who are following you or even aspiring, or even just maybe at the first step of being a filmmaker, they do not understand when you say no money. So like, what does that break down to you? Like, did you have people that volunteered? Yeah. Um, also, all my crew volunteered. All of my, my cast volunteered. We shot it. We filmed it in my producer's apartment. And then I was able to get the equipment donated from a university. Wow. And how did you go about getting the equipment? Did you just like go and say, hey, did you write a letter? Like, how did that happen? No, we did it in a very sneaky way. <laughs> uh, um, we donated is a, is a word that I like to say, but really, uh, I just knew some of the students that went to the school. Gotcha. I told them I'd give them an associate producer credit. They brought the equipment. They got the credit. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I wish there was another, I, I had done it the other way, but I just didn't think that it was something that would be done because I'd been out of school for quite a bit. And I was like, okay, how are we going to make this happen? And one of those people came to me and they're like, Hey, like I can probably get your equipment. And I show them the script and they're like, yeah, I want to be a part of this. And I was like, okay, perfect. But okay. So tell everybody about Haven. Cause I do want to talk about that. Yeah, so Haven is a, a short, a short, a micro short actually. It's three and a half minutes long. Mm-hmm. Um, it's about the relationship between a mother and her daughter. I can't speak too too much on it because you have to watch it. I don't want to ruin it, but it is something that me and my my DP Jordan Oram, and he he's the one who's just uh, DP'd all of Drake's new videos. Yeah, so he, I was gonna say, didn't he do um, God's Plan? Yeah, 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 he did all of the new ones. With that's pretty. That's pretty dope. Yeah. So we we did Haven right before. Well, yeah, right before all of this. And so we we had sat down actually in a room, um, and this speaks to manifestation. And we 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 sat down in a room where we we're speaking about like where we wanted to be in the next coming years. Mm-hmm. And we spoke about how we wanted to do a film. We wanted to just push out more content. And he was saying, you know, I want to get better at narrative work, and he wanted to do music videos. And so he, he was talking about how he wanted to do Drake videos. And I was saying I wanted to get an award-winning short film. And a year later, we, we, were, we both did exactly that. And so before that, the conversation was we were going to make a short film with two people in one room and make it powerful. And then I thought about what two people I would have in the room. And I wanted two black women. And I wanted something that black women don't often see. And it was getting your hair done. And so... The premise of Haven is this little girl getting her hair done. Mm. I like that. Because so, yeah. mm-hmm. that's so, uh, it automatically made me think about, because you know, a creative's brain, listen, you know, we'd be all over the place. But yeah. it just automatically made me instantly think back to like when I was eight and how my mom used to sit. I used to sit in between her legs and she would braid my hair and it was such a like intimate, good moment. And then sometimes it was not a good moment because I'd be like, I want to get up over this. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I can visually see that. I'm not, I can't wait to see it. Yeah, we kind of show both of that. We sh- it's one of those films where you watch and you get nostalgic. Like You're like, yeah, I remember this part. And I remember mm-hmm. like it, it shows all of, all of that. And I think any person that's ever gotten their hair done can relate. But definitely for Black women, I feel like we don't get enough of that. Yeah. 
I agree. And you brought up an interesting point as far as before when we were talking about you being able to get the funding and you putting yourself out there on social media. So me and my girlfriend, well, I call them my sister friends, creatives. We have this like ongoing debate about social media and creatives. Mm-hmm. So what for you this year changed that you felt like you needed to put yourself out there more on social media? Hmm. I just felt like for me, one of the things was like, I didn't feel, I feel like I was doing a lot of work, but I wasn't getting like, I wasn't seeing, I wasn't reaping the rewards of the work that I was doing. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things was how could I get rewarded or get seen if I wasn't, if I wasn't out there. Right. And so I was doing all of this work. I've been in the industry for for over a decade now and I'd put all this work into it, but nobody really knew who I was. And so that I could only be the, I, I could only blame myself for that. And so I decided to put myself out and kind of show people who I was because as an, for me as a director, I'm also an activist. And so all my films are impact films and activism films. Mm-hmm. And how could I be doing this activism behind closed doors? Yeah. And so there was kind of a shift for me. Um, my shift was when it felt like every day unarmed black men were being killed by the police. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what, are, what, what am I doing in this world to make change? Yeah. Like, yeah, I do the protests. Yeah, I do the Instagram and the Facebook retweets. And, and I, I'm doing all the posts. But what I'm actually doing is like a, a film director. Mm. That's good. And, and so because of that, I was like, okay, well... How can I make this change? And, 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 and it became activism through film. And then, and then it was like, okay, now that I'm an activist through film, how can I be visual and social media helped me? So do you ever feel like that social media is like taking up too much of your time? Because that's what we like. We always get in this like whole debate. That's what our debate is about. Like how, invested do we need to be in social media to be impactful because you do want people to be able to connect with like you as a storyteller but then do you ever feel like it's just too much yeah I think I I take a lot of breaks from social media I um and I'm also sometimes really busy and so I don't want to make it my first priority but I also don't want to forget that I'm sharing with people Mm -hmm. and so I think it's just about balance Mm-hmm. But I never want to be someone who's like, okay, I got to post every week or right. I just post when I feel. Sometimes mm-hmm. it feels like every week and sometimes it feels like like once a month. But I definitely like, I'm big on balance. Like I like to take a break from social media because I feel like it's just, it's not health, it's not healthy to be on there all the time and feel like sometimes when you're oversharing, you're not being creative. Like you don't have those moments where you're just being a creative. Yeah. I agree. I definitely agree. And I think that's the thing for um, me, especially when you talked about balance, because um, my big thing that I'm really like just trying to get creatives to be a lot more aware of and mindful is taking care of their mental health. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was going to ask you, like, do you have anything that you do as far as like being able to maintain your mental health? Because I know for like me, it's, Sometimes you yeah, like taking a break from social media, making sure that I'm staying in tune with God and taking time to pray and pour into myself. So do you do anything specifically for your mental health? Hmm. I, I think I just listen to my body, mm. I listen to what my body wants. So sometimes it wants solitude. Sometimes it doesn't. And so I just 
I'm in tune with what my body wants. And so there's moments where I'm by myself for months and I don't speak to people. There's moments where I'm more out there. There's moments where like I, I pray every morning. I make sure that I'm also meditating. I just I just try and stay as in tune with myself as possible and listen to what I need. Okay. That that makes sense. And I, I think that's really good that you even said like, you know, staying in tune to our body because I think we get so used to like pushing and like everybody being like hustle because you don't want to like somebody forget about you. So I think that's really good that you do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, too often are we especially as black women, we just take on so much and we do so much and we feel like so many people are depending on us. Mm-hmm. That it's hard for us to step away from it, but that's when your mental health gets really disrupted. And I've seen that with myself. Like I take on a lot and I do a lot. And then I'm like, you know what? This is affecting me in a way that it's not, it's not going to help anybody or it's not going to help my creativity. And then so I, I have to just be in tune. Yeah. So why do you think that you initially picked up a camera or said that you wanted to be a storyteller? Do you believe it's the activism part or is it something different? I've kind of always been a storyteller. I've always been that person like who can go into and tell a story and have everyone cracking up or everyone really like entrenched in the words. I, I've, I was a child actor when I was young. And then I grew up in the theater scene. And then when I moved, so I was born in England. And so this was all in England. Then I moved to Toronto and it became like, a, I became behind the scenes in theater and then gradually moved to film. Mm-hmm. I don't really know. Like I used to be the person that was like, that had the old the little gray camcorders that you hold in your hand. <laughs> and I would just be at school, like recording people, like the guys freestyling in the corner. This was back when, like, Wollaston Park had Freestyle Fridays. Oh, and yes. Everybody. <laughs> and I don't really know what that's, what started that, but I just wanted to capture moments. And I guess it's kind of been something that I've always been doing. Mm-hmm. It's just grown into now huge stories. So what was, because you um, started off... I guess you can say cinematography. So how have you taught yourself filmmaking? Because I know everybody that's listening does not go to school. I don't even, I know I always tell y'all like I went for my MFA. If I could do it all over again, I wouldn't have went. I would have just like taught myself and got books because there was a lot of debt for no reason. But um, what did you do to start to teach yourself filmmaking? I was, I was pretty blessed when I came to Canada, the school, the first high school that I went to um, had a TV production studio in it. And so I was able to take those classes. And then from those classes, I was able to volunteer at a local station at work. Mm-hmm. And then I also then went to school for TV production, which I also believe was a waste of my money and my time. <laughs> because I, I learned it at like a play. I learned analog. And then when we graduated, everything was digital. Oh. Also, I also graduated right when the recession was happening, so there weren't any jobs. Oh, and so, that <laughs> for me it was just sucked. So but then that also pushed me to work for myself, mm-hmm. and then I've been working for myself ever since. So how have you been able to sustain the highs and lows? Because okay, you taught yourself. You, I know that you established a production company. So how have you been able to, because I know it's a very fluctuating business, been able to like sustain and continue to create? Don't just direct. I also, I'm assistant director. 
Mm-hmm. And so I'm able to take on other like jobs. So I do a lot of music videos in Toronto. Um, I'm also in the union as assistant director. And so I do like Netflix shows and Nickelodeon shows and Sony movies. And I, I do a whole lot of things. And so I'm able to keep myself afloat with that and then also be directing at the exact same time. Mm, gotcha. And so for me, it's like, okay, I knew that I wanted to be in the industry and I wanted to do industry things. Um, but I, I didn't want to leave the industry to make money. I didn't want to take my mind space out of that place. Mm-hmm. And so what could I do in the industry that could help me? And ADing allowed me from PAing all the way up to first ADing allowed me to see what was going on on set and learn from everybody on set mm-hmm. and then know how I wanted to have my stuff done when I was directing. Mm. And I knew like what I liked, what I didn't like. I saw what worked, what didn't work. I know how the grips work. I know how the gaffers work. Like it was, I was able to be like a fly on the wall and see how everything worked on set. So that when it came to my set, we were so professional. We knew what we wanted. We knew how to avoid things that could happen all because I was able to be an AD on other sets. And so, my that job that also gave me money also helped me prepared me to be a better director understandable and when you say you know you you knew that you wanted to um be in the industry where do you see yourself going oh well i want to do more films um Mm -hmm. feature films tv shows something that i really want to do is own a tv station i've always Mm -hmm. wanted to have like a black news channel yes listen i'm over (laughs) I'm over like, here giving like, a whole yeah, air yeah. high five. Yes. And we're like, what, what, what are we really watching? Mm-hmm. And there's so many times you watch it and you're like, I don't care about any of this stuff. Yeah. Like what's happening to my people? Like I want to hear about what's happening in the world. Mm-hmm. It's not centered around certain people that are ruining the world. Right. And so that's something that I'm, I'm, I really want to do. Well, I really hope that it um, that you're able to do that, and I definitely believe that you're going going to do it. Um, Thank you. You're welcome. Because I had to go down far, and like I was scrolling through your Instagram today, uh, and something that stuck out to me that I thought was really good, and it gave just a really good snapshot as far as filmmaking. And I think that people have this. Um, idea of what filmmaking is and it discourages them and you have posted uh let's see 2015 idea in your head 2016 concept on paper 2017 it became and 2018 you'll see Mm -hmm. um so i just thought that that was so powerful because it shows like one your consistency and diligence to produce and create what you wanted to see and it didn't happen overnight so i want to ask you do you believe that people who are like especially now because i in my eyes and especially over here filmmaking has become kind of glamorized especially as the director or the screenwriter or the cinematographer do you think that people have a distorted perception of what it is what it takes to be a filmmaker yeah, I definitely do. I think that people feel like, especially when it comes to, because of like we have YouTube now, mm-hmm. you can just pick up a camera and you can direct your friend's music video. You can get views and you can pay people to watch it. And it's become this thing where it's like glamorized to sat, sit there with a clapperboard or sit there with this red cam and you have no idea how to use it. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I think it was all about like taking the time 
um, to learn how to use all these things. And I always say, like, if, you're, if your rise takes time, your fall will also take time. Mm. If you shoot to the top, you're going to fall very the exact same way that you shoot up. And so for me, it was about steadily learning and climbing and, and not, not being an overnight success because how you don't get to learn all of the things. I'm going to put that in my journal. I'm just letting you know. I'm going to give you credit. (laughs) That is good. I mean, it's just truth, though. And I think that even with the meet and like doing the creative outsiders and knowing that I do want to have my own station, because that is one of my goals, like to have my own station. Mm -hmm. um, It's just it can be. I'm not going to say lonely, but it can be very difficult to explain to people who aren't creatives like. I don't tangibly have anything to show you, but eventually I will. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. It's very, very true. Yeah. Like it's hard. It's hard when you as a creative or as a filmmaker, it's hard to show to other people what you're doing mm -hmm. until it's done. And you're like, see, I told you. Right. Mm -hmm. So how do you, how have you been able to sustain through those times? I just keep my head down. I also don't, I was talking to someone the other day about this. I don't have any friends that aren't creatives. It's mm-hmm. weird. I don't know if that's just how, like, I just attract people that are creatives. Well, all of my circle is creatives in some way, like creative directors. My best friend's a photographer. Um, all of my friends are creative in some way, except for my family, who are totally not creatives. <laughs> and so it's just, yeah. And then also having, like, a Jamaican family who's, like, why are you a doctor or a lawyer? Like, what is this filmmaking thing? <laughs> and it's been, it's just one of those things where I just have, have to show and prove. And in the moments in between, I just have to put my head down and work really, really hard so that when I show, it, mm-hmm. it's worth it. Mm. Yeah, that's true. And that's yeah. funny that you said that. I was thinking, like, do I have non-creative friends? I do, but they give me balance. Um, mm-hmm. Because majority, yes, and then the ones who don't, like, they get it enough for me to be able to reasonably talk to them. Um, yeah. And then they reasonably give me balance of, like, don't be hard on yourself. And I'm like, you don't understand. <laughs> you have yeah, no idea. <laughs> yeah, it's very, very hard. It it's hard to explain, like, like sometimes I'm not, like, I'm not working for two weeks. And my friend's like, oh, you have the day off. And I'm like, no, like, this is this isn't what I want. This is, mm-hmm. I want to work. But then also working like 18 hour days for six months and your friend's like, Oh, can you come to the party? And you're like, no, like I can't, like I'm working. <laughs> so it's hard to, to that balance, but I'm blessed to have people that really understand what I'm doing. From the beginning, let's say your very first project that you did and your project currently Haven, what do you think is the difference as far as your voice development as a director? I think this is my truest version of myself. I f- my first project was what I want. I thought other people wanted to see for me. Mm. And this, is, this project is what I want people to see for me. This is mm. my voice. And I feel like the, the, my first project definitely was like what I thought people wanted my voice to be. What did you think that they wanted your voice to be? This is just a, so just so you know, FYI, my undergrad is in counseling. So the counselor me. <laughs> what did you, yeah. Who did you think they wanted you to be as far as voice wise? 
I'm I'm really funny when people speak to me. And I mm-hmm. think people wanted me to be this comedian. And so I did a lot of comedies in the beginning and and they weren't and then also like in, in the beginning in the industry, I didn't know a lot of people of color in the industry. Mm-hmm. And so I did a lot of films that weren't about people of color. Where they'd have a token person of color. Mm-hmm. I did what I felt like what was the industry standard at that time. And I started to do these funny comedies with mostly white people and it wasn't, it didn't reflect who I was. And it wasn't, it definitely wasn't something that I was proud of. Mm. I so think that's gross. My films yeah. like reflect my communities. Mm. I think that's good. That shows your growth though. That's just your growth of you being sure who you are. Definitely, yeah. I've, I definitely learned about myself filmmaking yeah i guess for me i'm just trying to move forward and move into like what's next and how can i help people Mm -hmm. and so for me it just gave gives me insight onto what i can do to help folks that live through this every day right so what would you tell somebody that's like just starting off and they like pick up their camera or not even they're there. They want to be a director. Do you believe a director needs to know how to operate a camera? Cause that's the question everybody asks me, like when they inbox or email. I mean, for me as a director, I couldn't imagine directing and not knowing, not even just the camera, but everything on set. Because mm. a director, I want to know how the light works. I want to know who that person is and what their job description is. Mm-hmm. I want to know, every, like, I want to know everything. And so I, that's why I AD'd and I feel like it's so important. Like there's a lot of directors who just come on set as a director. But I think it's so important to come on set as a PA. So you can actually sit back and look at what, how, how all the moving pieces work. So that when you say you want this shot, you know exactly what pieces are moving to make the shot happen. Mm, yeah, I agree. I think though that people don't want to take the time to be able to do that because in their mind, they're like, that's going to take too long. Yeah. But that's the other. That goes back to the thing where, if if it's slow climb, it's mm-hmm. a slow fall. Yeah, yeah. And so if you go to your friends and you shoot this video, and then it's like a music video, and you put it online and it goes viral, how are you going to keep consistently make these videos? Mm-hmm. You don't know what the criteria is. You don't know what the formula is because you've done it so quickly. Mm. Yeah. So is there anybody that you? future or even now that you want to work with? Mm. Give me your top two. Top two. <laughs> I would say Ava DuVernay, for sure. Yes. And Oprah. Yes. <laughs> like I'm there with you. Yes. Yes. I, I would love to work with Oprah because I just feel like she has such a wealth of knowledge. Like, Mm-hmm. I feel like you would just have a, like a simple conversation with her and mm-hmm. you would learn so much. Yeah, I agree. I think so too. So then how do you, because you do have a production company, but how have you been able to find the people that you are creating with? Because that's the thing that people struggle with. They're like, oh, I'm here. I'm in this area. I don't feel like it's enough filmmakers. What, like, how did you find your people? Uh, for me, it was always intentional. Like I said, I've been in the industry for more than a decade now, so I've always been on the lookout mm-hmm. for people to work with. My producing partner, 
uh, I found we were on set together volunteering as PAs maybe eight years ago. And then mm -hmm. we kind of clicked and we were like, okay, what are we doing? And then now she's my producer and I'm the director and writer. Um, my DP is very similar. Like I, I have conversations with people a lot and mm -hmm. I speak to them and like, if I meet someone like, oh, I'm a screenwriter, we'll have a conversation and I'll ask them questions, see if they click with who I am. Mm -hmm. And I bring them into the team. I'm very intentional. For me, it's all about, it's not necessarily about how well you can do it. It's about like, are we on the same page? Do we have the same ideals? Who are you as a person? Does that click with who I am? Mm -hmm. Can we vibe on set? When I bring 10 people on set, if we can't all vibe, we're not going to make great stuff. Mm -hmm. And so for me, that's what it's about. It's about just, I've just been able, Toronto's also a very creative place. So the, there's a lot of creatives. Mm -hmm. It's just about finding that crew that clicks. And I've kind of been like collecting my peoples, as I would say, as I've been going along and like just being able to find that crew. And for the last three projects, I've had the same crew. That's good. Mm -hmm. That's really good. So what are you working on next? Because I know that you do have a lot on your plate. What do you have coming up next? So we just uh, are in post-production, in post-sound and color for my two new short films, Marathon and Black Bodies. So that's kind of um, a visual commentary for how black bodies are seen in society mm -hmm. and what it looks like to be black in 2018. Mm. So those two films should hopefully be out. They'll be out in 2019. Hopefully we get a premiere at South by Southwest, uh, another premiere. Um, that's the plan for those two films. Okay. And I want to circle back to what was, how was your experience as far as um, being in a festival? Because a lot of women are afraid of, like I had a whole like two hour conversation with one of my friends about convincing her to put her project into a film festival. What, what is the benefit? Do you see it on your end? And like, what was your experience? I love going to film festivals. I love seeing films that you'll never see anywhere else. But I also just love sharing my films with different different um, people, different places, people that don't usually see films or won't usually see your film. I'm able to get my film to be seen by people that I would never, like they wouldn't see it any other way. Mm -hmm. I like, you just learn so much. You, you can network, you meet such great people. You, you really grow your network. It's just been, I think film festival is such an amazing experience. South by Southwest has definitely been one of my favorites. Uh, the Triforce Short Film Festival, which is the one I'm at right now, mm -hmm. um, at BAFTA has was has been amazing, and it's just been really great to kind of see. It's just great to to kind of share. You're sharing a part of yourself with all of these new people, and you get to see how they react to it, and 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 kind of just speak to people. You learn so much. The amount of creativity that comes out of those rooms is amazing. Just that about that. And that's how you grow. Like you just get so much better when you when you share it. You don't make films as a creative. You don't make films for yourself. You make it to share with the world and you never know who you're going to touch. And so Haven has gotten so much great stuff. Like one of the greatest things Haven has gotten from the film festival is a professor saw it there and he loved how great I could make a film in three minutes. Mm -hmm. So he teaches about it at a university. Oh, wow. And so, but he was somebody that was like, I 
would have never thought about it. And he was someone that came to watch it as as just a viewer and as just an audience member. And, and mm-hmm. now he's teaching it in his university courses. That's it's a master's course too, which is crazy because I never took my master's. So That's yeah. so good though. Mm-hmm. And that's, uh, I was going to ask you that because I think too, because um, we, this is what we do. Me and my filmmaker girlfriends, we like get on the phone and we're like on there for hours. But we were just mm-hmm. having this discussion about like, it's such a push. Like people are trying to put their stuff out there, which, okay, I get that. I think that we're getting caught up in like, does it matter if I have a short film versus a, versus a feature film? And I think we missed the point of like our audience. Like, how do you feel about that? I think for me, it's also about story. Like what stories can you tell mm-hmm. in short films? Mm-hmm. And so I have this like sweet spot of like three and a half minutes. Most of my films are three and a half minutes. And so you want to be able to deliver that story to that, to the, to that filmmaker, I mean, to that audience member. And so I feel like when you're making a feature, if you haven't made a short yet, it's so hard to be able to figure out how to do that. Mm-hmm. For me as a filmmaker, like I, I'm still in that phase where I'm still testing out how to tell my story. Who am I as a storyteller and how do I want to tell this story? Mm-hmm. And testing out all the different ways so that when I get to my feature, it's exactly what I want it to be. Mm-hmm. I couldn't have imagined doing a feature before this. And I've worked on many, many, many features. I probably have worked on like, let's say about 15 features. Mm-hmm. And as, although I know how to be on set as a film, as a director, what is my voice? If I, have, if I don't have a voice for short films, I think it's very hard to not have, to have a voice for feature films. Mm-hmm. I agree. Mm-hmm. I agree. So I definitely advise everyone to do short films first. Well, any last words that you want to give the women that are listening that are filmmakers, any advice? I would say just do it. Like just, just once you have your story, just, just, just do it. Don't let anybody hold you back. Don't let any no's happen. Like I said, I've done all of my films with no's. Just continue to do it. Don't even let anybody give you a no. Just do it with your, your crew. Find, find your, your crew and make your films and just share your stories. Don't worry about the money. Just just worry about the story. And if the story is realistic, if the story is true to life, you'll be able to share it. You'll have no issues and people will receive it in that way and just make it your magic. And and don't give up. Also one of those things where it's like, you know, we work so hard and we do this over and over and over again, waiting for that bite. We just can't give up. Mm-hmm. Um, and let everyone know how they can keep up with you, social media, um, website, any of that information. All of my socials are directed by Kells. Um, to, Kells is K-E-L-L-S. And then my website is kellyfifemarshall.com or directedbykells.com. All right. So everyone who's listening, you know the drill. Don't talk about it. Be about it. Go live those filmmaking dreams. And make sure that you subscribe. Make sure that you comment. And make sure that you let us know that you're listening.